your Bibles this morning, if you'll find your way to the book of Psalms, Psalm number 51, Psalm number 51. I believe we all could identify with the psalmist, uh, David, as he has um, was a man after God's own heart and uh, was a righteous man, uh, followed God, the ways of God, kept the law of God, but he messed up and um, he went through a time of, of um, depression, as we would call it uh, today, and uh, this particular psalm, we're going to focus on verse number 12, but I did want to back up uh, just a couple of verses. But nonetheless, this is a psalm of confession, and if you was to read this, this psalm in its entirety, uh, you will see an inside view of a man getting right with God. It is a bearing of a, of a man's heart after an encounter with failure, after he let uh, God down, he let himself down. But it's also a psalm of the king. Uh, as I've said, uh, David being a, a leader politically, spiritually, even musically, as a, a majority of the psalms are written by David. It is a psalm with which we all this morning can identify with because we also, in our human nature, fail. We fail. And we should focus this morning on this one verse in verse 12, but I do want to back up just a, um, a couple of verses uh, in verse number 10. Uh, so bear in mind, Psalm 51, this is David. Um, he has um, come to a place in his life where he realizes that he has sinned, he's messed up, and so uh, he has, uh, this is following the incident with uh, Bathsheba, okay? So verse 10, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from the blood guiltiness, O God. Thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem, and thou shalt, then thou shalt be pleased with the sacrifice of righteousness and burnt offering. And whole burnt offering, then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. Let's pray. Father, how thankful we are for the joy that we have within our heart at the moment of salvation. And God, even in the midst of our failures of life, in the midst of our uh, letting you down, God, how you still lift us up. And 
Lord, how you issue forgiveness to those of a a penitent heart that come to you to call out to you, and much like the psalmist David, Lord, how we call out to you today. Lord, we pray that as we look at this word, God, that you would hide me behind that precious cross of Calvary. Lord, that these dear folk not see me, but God, they would see you. Speak to our hearts this morning. Perhaps there is one here, maybe one that may be listening. God, that is lost and undone without you. Lord, we pray that you would convict their heart that they be saved before it's eternally too late. Likewise, that one that is backslidden, God, we pray that you would arrest their heartstrings as well. And God, that they would call out to you and seek your forgiveness. Lord, for whatever you do here, we'll be careful to give you all the praise and the honor and the glory. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Verse 12 says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. This is probably a familiar passage to everyone here. Uh, This morning we have probably read this passage countless times. We've probably heard countless messages preached on this particular uh, verse, perhaps even the psalm in its entirety. Uh, But this morning I just have three quick points um, that I want to uh, mention. And um, I think I've shared this with you before when I first came here. And um, I'll share it again since I have two two preachers in the uh, congregation this morning. I, I had attended a seminary, and, and uh, one of the things that they was teaching us in that seminary class, I believe it was uh, sermon prep, maybe it was hermeneutics, I can't remember, but nonetheless, the instructor had said there is um, the, the best message that a preacher can preach is one that has three points, introduction and a conclusion, And the closer that conclusion is to the introduction, the better off you'll be. And so that's kind of how I've always done things. And I'm not a obviously long-winded preacher, but nonetheless, um, the word gets out. Amen. But I have three points this morning that I thought about as I looked at this psalm. And I thought, my Lord, how many people deal with the same thing that David uh, was dealing with? Maybe not to the extent that David was dealing with. But nonetheless, we all face these failures. We all face these times of sin in our life where it seems to just be eating us away on the inside. And so this morning, first of all, I want us to think about, as we look at verse 12, that David had known the joy of salvation. He had known what it was like restore here in verse 12. It indicates that he had possessed this joy before. You can't speak of how great something is unless you have experienced it, right? And so as he is saying here, restore to me the joy. Renew that joy. Bring that joy back that I once had. So it indicates that he had possessed this before. And of course we know that if you'll search throughout the Psalms, you will find that this reveals the fact that he did know the joy. In Psalm 9 and verse 1, it says that I will praise thee. Psalm 21 and verse 1, the king shall joy in my strength. Psalm 23, verse 5, my cup runs over. 
Psalm 34 and verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. And I'm sure there are countless others where David is explaining this joy that he has. And there's a good reason for this joy. It's a good reason for you and I this morning to have the joy of salvation because it is the joy of forgiveness, right? And what better thing it is to be forgiven of sin? I remember, I don't remember it, I remember uh, seeing it, uh, uh, obviously after the fact that it, many years after it doesn't happen, um, but countless uh, preachers, evangelists, uh, get caught up in sinful things and, and it's exposed and, and of course we know that, that congregations and, and the media and all these others will just latch on to that and, and really bring the, uh, them down and, and someone had said there was one in particular uh, many of you probably remember uh, when this happened when um, Jimmy Swaggart was caught in some uh, sinful Acts and nonetheless, he was kicked out of his denomination. Um, the crusades that he was holding didn't have as powerful as an effect. The crowds greatly diminished. And at that same time, there was a man by the name of Billy Graham preaching massive crusades and holding evangelistic meetings. And a lot of the followers of the swaggers was going towards the, the, um, the uh, Billy Graham uh, work and organization as they were ministering and proclaiming the gospel. And someone had said in the news media, uh, our lovely friends in the news, right? I say that sarcastically. Um, they asked Billy Graham, they said, it must feel great for you to be able to get all of these people to leave him and come to you. And Billy Graham, in his humble manner that he was, told the media of that day, he said, It is a shame. This is paraphrasing. It is a shame that you latch on to all of the bad that someone has done, but you fail to see all of the good. That was done. I take no joy in what has happened. He said, but instead of tearing a man down, you need to lift him up in prayer. And I thought, man, that's powerful. So how true it is, not just for us preachers, but even for people in general, it seems that when they are down, we seem to just continuously kick them until we drive them further down when we need to lift them up. The joy of forgiveness is where I was going with it. Got off on a tra trail there, didn't I? Uh, but the joy of forgiveness, knowing that God forgives. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, sometimes I think we as Christians forget that we were once not Christian, right? That, that we were once sinners, that we are constantly in this battle of good and evil and to be able to experience this forgiveness but then Bring down those around us who are sinners. Oh, to know the joy of forgiveness. Another joy that David had and we have as well is this joy of the assurance of heaven. Oh, what a blessed assurance it is to know that there's a place prepared for those who have placed their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
the joy of the presence of the Lord. Not only here in this walk of life, but in that life to come. When this life is over and we lay down all that we have here in this walk of life and enter into those wonderful place called heaven and to be in the very presence of the Lord. This is another one that I thought of. The joy of finding the answer to life. Well, that's a question that why am I here? Why is why am I here? Why what's what's my life for? And the answer is the Lord. We are here to spread this gospel. We are here to minister to those who are in need of this salvation, who are in need of Christ. This joy is available to you. It's available to me. It's available to all who seek it through the gospel. Restore. David had known the joy of salvation. But secondly, David had lost the joy of his salvation. Now, he didn't lose his salvation. A lot of people kind of twist. You know, we we live in a uh, twist-tie society, right? I mean, we'll twist everything we can possibly twist till it can't twist no more. David had lost the joy of his salvation. Notice it says, to restore Not only does that indicate that he had possessed this before, but it also indicates that he does not have it currently. If he is seeking to be restored, he doesn't possess this. He doesn't have this joy. And David has a lot of company in this matter. Many are filled with, with gloom when, who were once filled with glory. Uh, they are burdened down who were once blessed. They may be sour who were once filled with a song. Many are pouting today who were once praising God. And David has this whole uh, uh, the story of his sin here, you can find it throughout the scripture, uh, but this, this affair that he had with Bathsheba, and it robbed David of his joy. It robbed him. You know what robs us today? Sin. It robs. The devil comes about seeking uh, who he can uh, to steal, to kill, to destroy. He'll bring this sin and he makes it look so enticing, right? It's kind of like that. Um, the grass is not always greener on the other side. You know, I've seen some dead grass and just on the other side of the fence line is some of the prettiest green grass you've ever seen. But is it that great? could be artificial grass, right? It could be fake grass. There's all kinds of things. Uh, but this, this sin had robbed David of his joy. And I believe that this morning there are a lot of people who are walking uh, down this, this road of life who is just like David. They are downtrodden. They are depressed. They, are, uh, they are, have lost their joy. The song that they once sang is gone. David being a musician, 
I don't have the facts in front of me, and I'm sure the, the other two pastors here uh, this morning may could uh, tell off the top of their head. But there's, if you'll notice in the book of Psalms, and, and I'm talking about the Psalms in its entirety, there's a time where you hear nothing but David, 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 David. And then there is a quiet time where it seems that David has disappeared. That the Psalms that were written were not of David. They were of various others. And then David busts right back onto the scene. And I want to, I want to say, and I may be theologically incorrect, and I'm sure that uh, these preachers or those that may be listening, um, uh, they'll send me a message and let me know. <laughs> so, uh, but nonetheless, I think that is when this joy was restored. Because oftentimes when sin comes into our life, we no longer have that communion with God, right? We seem to fall away from God and we don't, we don't want to go to church no more. We'll miss a Sunday. That Sunday felt great. We'll miss two Sundays. Those two Sundays were wonderful, so we'll miss three Sundays. And before you know it, six months to a year has passed and no one has darkened the door of the church. Sin, the song that they had is gone. Do you remember a better day? Do you remember the days when the church house was filled to capacity? I've seen that happen one time in my life. Once. And it was because it was a special event that happened and, and several large families just by happenstance, if you believe that, um, were in town. The church house was literally filled with capacity. We brought out chairs. It was a wonderful feeling. I haven't seen it since then. I didn't see it before then either. But I remember my grandmother telling me stories. They had the older, uh, the, the old church buildings where the windows would raise and how, how they would have the church house filled and people would be out on the lawn of the church with the windows raised listening to the message because there was no room. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great right here? I mean, we can seat uh, uh, several here this morning. We could fill these pews up and, and have that joy restored. You remember those better days. You remember those days when it was okay for the Baptists to raise their hand. Oh, we can't do that today, right? You remember the days when the Baptists, it was okay to say amen, even during preaching. You want to know something that encouraged, and I'm not telling, don't, don't start this just because I said it, okay? okay. Uh, but you know what really encourages a pastor it's when the congregant is responsive. I've said this before, and, and, and most of the time I am joking, and, and I'm thankful that, that y'all are not as easily offended as some that I have preached to. Um, but sometimes, you know, I wish y'all could see what I see, you know. Um, because sometimes, I'm not saying it's here, I'm just saying there have been times past, all right, years gone by, where it was difficult to preach because I thought, and, and don't, don't be offended, but I had thought I was preaching to a bunch of dead folk. Because the joy, where's the joy? Do you remember those days? I can remember even in my lifetime when the church was on fire for God. Where's that joy gone to? 
Have we gotten so tied up in our worldly ambitions and, and our modesty? And, and there's nothing wrong with being modest. Don't misunderstand me this morning. Have, have we gotten so fine-tuned in life that, that we feel that we're out of place if we, we say amen or if we raise our hand or if we want to stand or if we want to sit or if we want to go even go to the altar? I remember growing up, the altars every Sunday would be filled. And as, as we would leave, I can remember seeing the tear stains on the carpet where people, as the Old Testament says, would grab the horns of the altar seeking God. Do you remember a better day? Thirdly, this morning, David longed to have the joy of his salvation restored. He longed for it. Have you ever messed up in life and you knew you messed up? That instant conviction, isn't it the worst? It's like an instant. You just know you messed up. And you know you could feel the separation of you and and the, the walk that you had with God. And I think that's what David felt. I think when the whole incident with Bathsheba happened, I think it was a moment where David knew right then that conviction that hit him was difficult. And then we find in this psalm, notice that it says uh, there, uh, you can read throughout the the psalm, but even in verse 1, Have mercy upon me, O God. Wash me, in verse 2. Cleanse me. For I acknowledge, in verse 3, my transgressions against thee have I sinned, in verse 4. Verse 5, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. But then notice in verse 7, he's confessing all of his faults, right? Then in verse 7, he says, purge me with hyssop, wash me. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart. Renew my spirit. Cast not away me from thy presence. Don't take your spirit from me. Verse 12, restore. Restore. David longed for that cleansing. He longed for that restoration. And a part of his prayer was to get back what he had lost. To get back what he had lost. David prays that his joy comes back again. What is the road back? It's a road of remembering. David called to memory all that he had done, all that he knew he had messed up. It's a road to remembering. But it's also a road to confession. Notice there in that psalm and a few others that he has written where he confesses that his faults are so great that he needs this cleansing. He needs this purge, as he says, this salvation, this joy. And it is a road of faith. Notice what else he says there. 
Verse 12, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto me. It's a road of faith. He knows that God is powerful enough to forgive him, right? He is powerful enough to wipe this sin. He even mentions it, to wipe it, to wash him, to make him white as snow, to purge this blot that is in his life. And then in the next verse, verse 13, after restoration, after this joy has returned, then will I teach transgressors your ways. And sinners shall be converted. Deliver me from the blood guiltiness, O God of my salvation. And my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. It's a road of faith. It's a difficult road, right? There's nothing in this life for a child of God that's going to be easy. Christ said that if they hate me, they're going to hate you. And it's kind of like that old uh, country song. Uh, I never promised you a rose garden or a bed of ro- I, don't, I forgot what, how it goes. Never promised you a rose garden, I think is how it is. You know, Jesus never promised us that either. And while roses are beautiful to look at, they're probably one of my favorite. Matter of fact, just the logo of my, my company, I actually have one on right now. It, it, it's because it's, it, it represents so many things. But you know what? Every rose has a thorn. It has a thorn. And if you're not careful, you go to grab that thing and you're going to pull back with some blood on your hand, right? Every rose has its thorn. The road of faith, it may be beautiful. And we know what is awaiting is beautiful. But there will be thorns along the way. Do you long for that joy again? I don't know about you. I had mentioned briefly, and I won't get into it because I know the messages are are, are aired and, and um, recorded. But I can't express to you this week the joy that I had once I finally just said. And, you know, as a preacher, I think we're probably the worst. And, and even it's kind of like being a man and you have your, your wife telling you you need to go to the doctor. And the man is like, no, I'll be fine, you know. And until the man is like, barely can walk, barely can breathe, whatever the case may be, then he goes to the doctor, right? That's how we are sometimes. But, you know, this this week as, as some things have happened, and I just finally just said, you know what, Lord? You take care of it. You take care of it. And he did. And the joy that I had, I probably hadn't had that kind of joy since I started that company, all right? It was amazing. And I felt just like David. So maybe this message was more for me. Maybe it was for you. Maybe it's for all of us. But nonetheless, the fact is that joy is indescribable. And I think that this joy that David had once he said, Lord, I need to be purged. I need this forgiveness restored to me. That joy. The same joy that David had, dear friend, you and I can have this morning. The peace that David experienced, you can have this morning. 
Psalm 32 is another view, and we, we won't read it this morning, but I'm just making reference for you should you, should you wish. Um, Psalm 32 is another view of the same man in Psalm 51. Same man. The same man that was experiencing those mountaintop victories with God in chapter 32 is the same man that was crawling his way through the valleys. But nonetheless, God was still there. And God is always there. Blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven. Dear friend, have you been forgiven? Your joy will return as you return to the Lord, confessing your sin. Do you know this peace? The peace that passes all understanding. You know, we just celebrated um, Advent on the Christian calendar, Christmas holidays. You know, one of those um, Sundays of Advent is all about peace. And the whole message of Christ's birth was peace, peace, goodwill towards men. Because the Messiah had come, the Savior had come. Well, he's no longer a baby in a manger. He's a crucified king and savior who is risen from the dead. And he is extending that salvation, that joy, that peace to all who will call on him. So this morning we'll extend a moment of invitation. This is your opportunity to do business with God. Perhaps it's salvation, maybe rededication. Maybe you need to pray for someone else in your family, a loved one, a friend. Whatever the case may be, will you do that as we sing?